You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. We are slowly getting closer and closer to the NFL Combine as that is going to be coming up in the final week of February, which means all the more preparation that we need to be doing to get you the names that you need to be aware of before they test on the biggest stage in primetime, giving you the ability and also the talent evaluators the ability to see them up close before they start to hit their full stride in increasing their draft stock. We're filling you in on all of these guys. And today's show, we're going to be discussing specifically offensive prospects that have specific traits that they need to prove in the various drills. For example, how does a certain offensive lineman, can they prove that they have consistent pad level and mobility uh, capabilities? In addition to that, maybe talking about a defensive player, how they look in their drops in when they're doing the various defensive back drills. Things like that is what we're going to be covering. And our very first player that we're going to discuss in this one does not really pertain to the Giants because they might consider drafting him, but it does very much affect the teams that want to draft around the Giants and who might trade up. We talked about him a ton on the Tuesday episode, and that is Tua Tavangaloa, quarterback from Alabama. His question, though, is not what is he going to do during drills because there's a very good chance he doesn't really even participate in any of the drills because of his hip injury and the fact that he's still recovering. Now, he did receive a positive feedback in the sense that his recent CT scan proved that his his hip has healed, but he's still a long way away from being completely cleared for football drills. So for a guy like Tua, when he gets evaluated by the doctors, we want to know for sure how healthy he is because those doctors at the NFL Combine will look very, very closely at that injury and give a detailed report and breakdown of how he's looking and how quickly he can actually come back. The information that he got from his doctor might sound more promising than it actually is. So we want to see how healthy he actually is, how soon he can come back, because that ultimately, if it is promising, means that more teams will be interested in trading up to draft him. Yeah, and that's going to be something that we don't actually get to see because those medical reports, they're going to be happening, uh, those medical tests, they're going to be happening behind closed doors. They're going to be happening during the week and they're not going to be on TV, or at least they really, really should not be on TV. If the NFL gets to that point, you know, somebody needs to have an intervention or a lawsuit. But we probably will get some word trickling out from team sources, from NFL insiders, basically giving us a rough idea of how Tua's 
medical checkups went, whether or not any red flags get raised, how he is progressing in his recovery. While that, he, while he probably will not be a giant, he will figure heavily into what happens at the top of the draft. There's also a slight possibility we could get a little bit of a tease of getting to see what he's going to look like. He could. There's no real speculation if he won't for sure participate. It's all signs are really pointing towards him not participating at all right now. But there's a chance that we could get to see him do some drills. We don't know for sure. There has been murmurs of him trying to throw. If he can physically throw and chooses not to do any of the mobility stuff for the sake of trying to stay as cautious as possible, again, we could see him do some things. And if he does that, that is also still very, very promising if he's able to throw despite not being 100%. And if he looks, I would say, relatively decent, that is all the more promising because he is still very clearly recovering at the moment. Our next player is somebody that has a lot to prove in general, and that is center from Washington, Nick Harris, somebody that could be in a situation for the Giants to draft because they are looking at interior offensive linemen. But as of right now, I think a lot of people are down on Nick Harris because he didn't have a very good week at the Senior Bowl. He was getting manhandled by much bigger defensive tackles. So the big question here is, How heavy will he be? Will he be over 300 pounds? And how tall is he actually? We did get an official measurement at the Senior Bowl, but we want to get another one at the Combine. Is he at that six-foot range, or is he still under it? Well, I I can't imagine he's going to grow significantly in a month, but how he measures is going to be really key in his draft stock because there are some teams where they have very firm thresholds where – if a player is under a certain weight, their arms aren't a certain length, if they aren't a certain height, they either get knocked down a draft board or they can be taken off of it completely. And for a player who we already know is undersized in Nick Harris, how he measures at the combine is going to be very big or perhaps not big. We'll just have to wait and see. But also how he looks in the field drills, how he hits the bags in in a blocking drill, how he moves, that's also going to be big because we heard from Nick Filato who saw him at the senior ball. He did not look good in practices. So he really needs to do some work to repair his draft stock because he was in consideration for a first round pick. I don't know if he is anymore. I'm not sure if he's the way he is trending, if he's in consideration for a second round pick. So he definitely has some work to do in Indianapolis to repair his draft stock, get it moving back in the right direction. Maybe he can't do a full 180 and turn around, but at the very least he can make himself look good. He can put a final good lasting impression before his pro day and say, hey, I did struggle a little bit. It was at the end of the season, but I still project good as an athlete. We just need to hone in on some of my fundamentals. And kind of touching on the whole measurement thing, I think that's something that's interesting that some people don't really know is that there are ways to pretty much cheat the measurements. And what I mean by that is, in most cases, you will be taught by your school or uh, sometimes by trainers and stuff like that, how you can get the largest possible measurement out of your physical frame as possible. I don't know the specifics of it, but I do know people that have told me, and I've also seen examples of it, how to make your hand look bigger than it actually is. Uh, Sometimes there's ways to 
make yourself appear a little bit taller. There's just very minor, minute things that you can do to cheat the system so that your measurement comes in better than most people expected. It's kind of going back to Kyler Murray last year. Everyone expected him to be five foot nine, but I believe he ended up measuring in at five ten. Well, that was probably because they were able to find a way for him to cheat it. It's it's a part of the business. It's a part about preparing these guys for the combine. It's about making your guy look the best as possible. Everyone there is there to look as good as possible. So there are found ways to, to make themselves look even better than they really should be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if trainers worked on posture, uh, actually maybe taking steps to decompress the spine a little bit because you can test this. You actually are taller in the morning when you first get out of bed than you are at night after basically being on your feet and having gravity pulling on you all day. So maybe taking some time uh, hanging upside down will, as funny as it sounds, maybe a little bit of that is done for shorter players to maybe help them get above some of those firm lower thresholds. Yeah, there's a lot of weird methods out there. I don't know the specifics of them, but I do know that they exist. I do know that there are ways to really make yourself look better. Now, speaking of guys, though, that don't really need that extra boost in their height, the first one is Mecky Becton from Louisville that we want to see him prove is can he maintain consistent pad level and balance in the movement drills for the offensive line? Becton is a really tall offensive tackle, and there's the whole uh, dancing bear analogy for him because he's so big he's so strong but he moves so fluidly for a guy his size well he could move fluidly uh, you know I think a good comparison is Eric Flowers looked pretty good moving wise but he had terrible pad level and terrible uh, fundamentals as an offensive lineman so can Becton show that he can keep his hips low can he show that he can look fluid in these drills can he show that towards the end that he is consistently staying at that same level despite if he is tired or not that is something that I think is very reoccurring with talking about these taller offensive tackles is that yeah they're big yeah they're really really strong yes yeah, some of these guys have really quick feet they play basketball yada 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 but can they maintain good pad level going against a six foot three, six foot two defensive end, or hell, even a six foot, six foot one Aaron Donald? If you can't get low enough to block him, he's going to go right around you. Yeah. And you know, for me, the field drills really are what you watch for with an offensive lineman. I mean, yes, the 40 is a good measurement of overall athleticism, and it actually does help to project how how well an offensive lineman, particularly an offensive tackle, also center, how well they'll be able to play at the NFL level because they are going to be professional athletes. They do have to be able to do athletic thing. But for but for me, the especially the 40, they're, they're more fun than anything else. And the money is made on the field drills. And some drills, especially the rabbit drill, where you see one lineman running back and forth and then another one sitting in his stance and kick sliding back and forth to mirror him. That is going to be very interesting to see with Becton because not only is he going to have to maintain good pad level, which is tricky for a guy who's listed at six foot seven, but he's going to have to be moving back and forth with good pad level for a significant amount of time. Like 
longer than pretty much any snap is going to be, any play is going to be. And that is going to be difficult for a guy listed at 370 pounds, which is also a measurement we're going to have to be paying attention to because I could definitely see teams having concerns with a player that big and whether or not he can keep his weight under control, whether or not he can keep his body composition under control. 370 is just excessive. I I don't think any player needs to be that big. He could lose 30 pounds. He could lose 40 pounds and still be an enormous tackle. So it will be interesting to see just how, how heavy he shows up to the combine and then how well he is able to move. It's interesting you bring up his weight, and I think that is also another key storyline to follow with him because he is really on the heavier side. And after having, I would say, about a month and a half of working with a a high-end trainer and potentially also a nutritionist, you would expect that if he was able to tone down a little bit more, I'm sure that their goal is probably to get him a little bit closer to at the very least, 360. You don't want him to lose too much weight because then there's the risk of uh, him losing too much of his strength in a short amount of time. But if you get him down to that 360, you make him look a little bit leaner. He doesn't look like he's a fat, uh, you know, a fat 370. He looks very, very strong and athletic at that size. But during this process, when you have a guy that's that heavy, you want to see if he can kind of lean out, be a little bit more muscle mass oriented, and then kind of burn off that fat. Somebody who's a little bit on the opposite end of that, but is still super tall and probably going to be one of the, if not the tallest tackles at the combine is Alex Taylor from South Carolina State, who is listed at six foot nine, but only at 308. So the, the first thing besides also wanting to see his pad level, how he moves in those drills, I also want to see if he can at least bump his weight up a little bit. Six foot nine is really tall for a tackle. And it allows for more room on your frame. And if you look at Alex Taylor, he has that room on his frame to add a little bit extra weight, add a little bit more uh, strength and mass and a little bit more padding behind him when he he blocks and hits a, a, a defensive lineman. So he could use to add a little bit more. What does he end up coming in at? I think is going to be very, very key. Yeah, again, the... Pad level is going to be huge for him, again, just because of his size and how high his center of gravity is. He really looks more like an industrial-sized tight end than an offensive tackle, which there is a trend in that direction, especially as offenses get faster, movement becomes more important, guys on the offensive line are just getting more athletic. So that's not a bad thing, but at six foot nine, he I'm not going to say he looks lanky, but he definitely has room to add some thickness. And can he do that without compromising his athleticism, without compromising his pad level? That will, I think, be really interesting to see. And also just another guy in that same mold is Trey Adams out of Washington, offensive tackle. He's been a guy people have been excited about for years, but he's also had a lot of injuries, I believe, he had a just nagging back injury last year that basically cost him his entire season. Had an ACL year before that. How does he show? How does he? How is he medically? Just how is his health? And then how is he able to move? Because he is also six foot eight. I believe he was listed at about three twenty. So that's just another really big tackle and. 
you have to ask, how well do these guys move? We'll be honed in on seeing how they do move in those drills. Not too crazy hung up on the 40 times. The cone drill and the... Uh, um, you know, the 5105 stuff like that is interesting to watch. Some of those things do correlate, but we're really honed in on seeing what they do in those movement drills. We're going to hit you with some names for some skill position players, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Four more names here that need to prove something during the NFL Combine. Our first one is Brian Edwards from South Carolina, wide receiver, and Chris, you're very interested in him because you think he's a little bit underrated. You don't think enough people are talking about him. He's getting stuck in the mix of all these huge, big-name, talented wide receivers in this year's class. So you really want to see from him how can he make himself stand out and stick out from this group. Yeah, you know, there are just so many good wide receivers in this draft class and so many guys have kind of a similar body style you know maybe some other years a guy 6'3 215 with edwards level of production over the last couple years would stand out but he's one of maybe 10 guys like that this year but going back to last year before he decided to return to college i was watching his tape and I actually had him graded out pretty similarly to Debo Samuel. Now they're very different receivers. Edwards is more of a traditional X or flanker type receiver. Whereas I basically straight up compared uh, Debo to Victor Cruz in my scattering report of him last year. And we saw Debo have just a really good rookie year and then basically explode in the playoffs. So now everybody's looking for the next Debo. Well, I want to see if Edwards can take advantage of the scouting combine and just remind people that he's a good receiver too. He was productive in that same offense at South Carolina with really not much to speak of at the quarterback position. Next receiver that we have is somebody who was a standout guy at the senior bowl one of the many huge, big-bodied receivers that looked pretty good in Mobile, and that is Michael Pittman Jr., who is listed at six foot four, two nineteen. We're really going to be watching for also how well is he going to move? Being six foot four as a receiver, it does give you those advantages in being able to box guys out, having that extra framework to catch the ball. But at the same time. Is he going to be able to move fluidly? Is he going to be able to control himself? Is he able going to be able to 
be a consistent athlete and maintain good body control. Yeah, that's, I think, going to be really the question, the question with him because he's a pretty good straight line athlete. He can, he can move, he can get downfield. He's got really good play strength. He's got a great ability to track the ball, really good hands. He can adjust. He can do all of that. But how is his short area quickness? I noticed on tape he kind of had a tendency to round out his breaks, round out the top of his routes. Can he run the routes more crisply? Can he, in the field drills, directly compared on the same field, one after the other with the other wide receivers in this class, can he show that he is just as good a route runner as some of the other guys? I'm not overly concerned with the exact time because he does kind of remind me of Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit. I think they've got a fairly similar build and athletic profile. Juju did not test out well at the combine, but I think he has also proven that being a good route runner, being a good detailed player, he can overcome that. So I, I want to see how Pittman does in the measurable events, but I also want to see how he's able to translate that onto the field. When we do discuss these taller receivers, the short area quickness is very, very key because, like I said, body control is worth noting. And I think when we talk about those cone drills that they that they have to test in, that's something that you you really look for. The the deep speed in the 40 is obviously a little bit more important at this position, but if they can't have good short area quickness, if they can't change direction quickly, it's going to raise some concerns. It's exactly what happened with DK Metcalf. Everyone was all in awe of his 40 time, but at the end of the day, his short area quickness and his inability to look good in the cone drills, that is what hurt his draft stock. Now, he ended up being a pretty good first-year rookie and a first-year pro, but it hurt his draft stock and pushed him down into the second round. So it's it's worth talking about that with Pittman. And I think another guy that we're also a little bit interested in the same situation is Justin Jefferson. Does he have at least decently moderate change of direction skills? Will he be able to look good and clean when he does try to change direction in various drills and then also in the, in the route tree um, pass catching portion of the combine for receivers? Yeah, that's definitely what I'm going to be watching for with Jefferson. He, I think, kind of snuck up on people. He was looked at as kind of as a good, but maybe second or third tier receiver, basically up until LSU really started making their run. Then, I, then people started to notice him, and he kind of exploded in the college football playoffs. And I think that really boosted his draft stock. Now, he still isn't regarded as a really dynamic athlete. How will he look compared to other receivers, compared to C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy? I, he's probably, it would be an absolute stunner if he tested out anywhere close to Henry Ruggs, but there are very few people just overall or in this draft class at any position who are going to test close to him. But can Jefferson separate himself from just this big blob of good receivers that is going to make up this draft class. Can he set himself above and really separate 
from Pittman, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jalen Rieger, T. Higgins, just all of these other guys who would be considered really good receivers in pretty much any other year, but are all kind of jockeying for position behind C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy this year. Another player and another LSU player that we have here on our list is Thaddeus Moss, tight end, like I said, from LSU. He's coming from the family of Randy Moss. He's obviously his son, so there's going to be a bit of a good amount of attention there for him, and I think that that's going to increase his draft stock inadvertently, even though his his talent level might not really relate to where his draft stock is. I think some teams might be more willing to take him higher just because he has that correlation. Now, Moss isn't a huge tight end. He's only listed at six foot three, 225. I think when you're talking about him as one, how is he going to look when he measures in? But the other thing, too, is very similar to these other guys, is how is he going to move athletically? He obviously has a very athletic background. He's only a redshirt sophomore, so he is on the younger side. Is he going to look good as a mover? And also, will he look fundamentally sound in doing the blocking drills and also as a pass catcher? Thaddeus Moss's last name carries a ton of cachet. If you are Randy Moss's son, you are expected to not just be athletic, but be an athletic freak. And I'm not sure he is exactly going to live up to that. But if he can, if he can show out in the measurable portion of the combine, that will be huge for him. He could potentially vault up to being the tight end one of this class because this isn't a great tight end class. The spot is there to be taken. Final player we have here and yet another LSU player, as you can assume, the reason why we're honed in and talking about these LSU guys is, well, they are a very talented team. In some cases, it can be carried by the talent of other guys and make other players look better. So we need to see how these guys do individually. And Clyde edwards Hilaire, their running back who declared early, does have some question marks. And I think his situation is very comparable to that of Alvin Kamara a few years ago when he was drafted by New Orleans. Well, a lot of people thought he looked really good, but he didn't test at an amazing rate. He didn't have a, a very good 40 time. And that draws, drew some some questions. I believe he ran around a 4.6. And I think a lot of people are expecting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to run around a 4.6. Well, we just need to see him hit that 4.6 number. If he's a little bit under that, if he's just a tiny bit over, that's not too bad. If he's a lot slower than a 4.6, that's going to draw some questions. However, his biggest attribute is his short area quickness, his feet, his ability to change direction. That kind of stuff is what made him a very dangerous running back and also as a receiver. We just need a little bit of assurance on how actually fast he is and how he's going to look. Yeah. Does he have that burst? Does he have the explosiveness? I don't think he's going to be a home run threat. He's not going to be like uh, Saquon Barkley was a couple years ago or like DeAndre Swift or Travis Etienne out of Clemson. But Clyde is going to be a good running back in the NFL. It might not be his speed that carries him there. He has really good vision, really good feet, good contact balance. All of those things that are difficult for the combine to measure, he does well. But if he can... Just check the boxes that he's athletic enough. That should be very good for him. That's all the names that we have for you today on the Chris and Joe Show in talking about 
prospects that have some traits that we need them to prove during drills on the off- offensive side of the ball. We're going to hit you with the defensive players that you need to know about too and what things that they can prove next Tuesday. Coming up, though, on Friday, as we always do, we have yet another mailbag show. Send us your questions about the NFL Combine, the NFL Draft, and also free agency. Let us answer those questions. If you're unsure about something, if there's someone you want to know more about, if you want to know about very specific players and their traits, we can give you those answers. Just send them on into our social media accounts at Big Blue View. You can send them directly to us at Joe DeLeon or at Raptor MKII. Or you can keep it simple and send it to our email account. Our email is BigBlueView at gmail.com. Also, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us and stay tuned for that mailbag episode. And next week, when we give you the defensive players.